Welcome to the Followers of the Way podcast for January 12, 2020. Today, Pastor Olu brings us a message called, In Order to Believe, This is My House. In today's message, John shares Christ's response to disorder in his house. When God's worship is cheapened, diluted, compromised, or perverted, his holy wrath is the only response. And he has the authority to clean house based on who he is. So grab your Bible and follow along with us as we explore God's word here on Followers of the Way. All right, so we've been doing In Order to Believe, looking at John, going through the book of John. We ended a couple of weeks ago looking at the water into wine from the first part of John chapter 2. So now we're going to continue on. We're in John chapter 2, verse 13. We're going to be going back and forth with, with Mark 11. And we'll, we'll get a little more into why that is. But just wanted to set up a little thing. Well, let's read it. John chapter 2, starting at verse 13. Let's jump to 12, just because. This is right after, <laughs> that's what we do. This is right after he turned the water into wine at the wedding. Verse 12. After this, he went down to Capernaum, together with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples. And they stayed there only a few days. Verse 13. The Jewish Passover was near. And so Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling oxen, sheep, and dove, and he also found the money changers sitting there. After making a whip out of cords, he drove everyone out of the temple with their sheep and oxen. He also poured out the money changers' coins and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling doves, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. And his disciples remembered that this was written, zeal in your house will consume me. So the Jews replied to him, verse 18, what sign will you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered, destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. Therefore, the Jews said, this temple took 46 years to build and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the statement Jesus had made. While he was in Jerusalem during the Passover festival, many believed in his name when they saw the signs he was doing. Jesus, however, did not entrust himself to them since he knew them all. And because he did not need anyone to testify about man, for he himself knew what was in man. So this is a famous scripture. This is a famous portion of the scripture or the infamous portion of the scripture where Jesus kicked the people out of the temple. A little history. What was going on during the time, verse 13 says it was the Passover time. Now, the Jewish Passover was the time where the Jews remembered or celebrated what God had done to them through Moses. So if you remember back, children of Israel, Jacob had 12 sons. One of them was Joseph. Joseph was thrown into a pit. He was a slave. He went to Egypt. Famine came. Egypt was the only one that had the money, had the food, had the grain. Israel, Jacob and his family went to Egypt and everybody, all the Jews went there. They sat there, everything was good. The Bible says a Pharaoh rose up who knew not Jacob and who knew not Joseph. And so we know Exodus. So Moses came, the children of Israel were enslaved for many, 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 many years. Moses came, Pharaoh let my people go. You know the story. As the plagues went, plague one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, during the last plague was when the firstborn of all the family members were killed there in Egypt, unless they had taken a lamb without blemish, killed the lamb, and taken the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorposts of the house that they lived in. 
If they had done that, the deaf angel came and passed, and anyone who saw where the blood was, where the sacrificial lamb was, they were passed over and did not die. That's why it was called the Passover. Anyone who did not have that, their firstborn died, including Pharaoh. And that's when Pharaoh said, I have enough, get out of my country. And then they left Egypt and then all the things that happened after that. So that was a great celebration. That was a time of festival for the children of Israel. So year after year after year after year after year after year, they celebrated Passover. During Passover, what had to happen was no matter where you were, if you were a Jew. Now, remember, the Jews were all across the planet at that time. And so during Passover, this specific time during the year, all the Jews from wherever you were, you came to Jerusalem. And so you can imagine millions and millions of Jews all crammed into this one city of Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And so we look at 13, the Jewish Passover was near. So Jesus, because he was a Jew and his disciples and all of them, they went up to Jerusalem because that's what it was. Now, you have to imagine they went to the temple. Now, the temple during Passover, you have to understand there were millions of Jews from around the world. They had traveled to Jerusalem. When they came to the temple, what you had to do at Passover was you had to do a couple things. One, you had to pay the offering. And the other thing was you had to sacrifice your animal. And so the Bolden family would come. I'd have the kids and Melissa. We had our lamb. We came from Claremont to Jerusalem. We got the lamb on the airplane, we got him there, we get here, we sacrifice the lamb, and for that year, the sins of my family are covered. So what you had there is, think of all these people coming, all these different countries, all these different languages, traveling thousands of miles. Oh, by the way, the only money that was accepted in the temple that time was Jewish coin. Now, if you remember, the Romans were in charge, and outside, they were using the Roman corn, the Caesar's face was on it. But inside the temple, they only accepted Jewish coin. So if I came with a couple of dollars from America, I would have to change it. I would give it to a guy, he would take it, he would take the American money, and he would give me the Jewish coin, and that was the money changers. And so that was going on. So whatever country you came from, whatever money you had, you had to exchange it before you got to the temple. And there was this place, uh, historians tell us, and some of the rabbis write, that you had the temple. Oh, boy. Here we go. So you had the temple. So you remember Jerusalem was on a hill. If you ever look in the Bible, whenever you see Jesus going to Jerusalem, it always says, and they went up to Jerusalem. You never see nobody going down to Jerusalem. You always see going up because Jerusalem was on a hill. So you had this hill. And on the hill, there was Jerusalem. There was a temple, of course. Now, this wasn't the first. This is my temple. Exciting temple. We'll make it shiny. It was made out of gold, and you can see it for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles around. So outside the temple, there was a valley out here. It was called the Kidden Valley. And in this valley was where the money changers used to sit. They used to sit here, and as people would come to Jerusalem, they would exchange their money, and then they would go up to the temple and worship. Now, not only did you have the money, you had to have your animal. Well, if I'm coming from Claremont, it's very difficult for me to bring a lamb on a plane, get there, then travel to Jerusalem. So what some people did, if you were close enough, you brought your animal, you brought your lamb, you brought your turtle dove, whatever you were sacrificing. But some people, because they were coming from so far, they couldn't bring an animal with them. And so what had happened was they would get out here and there would be a, I need a sign for an animal. Uh, here's a sheep. This is going to be a sheep, folks. All right. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a bear, it's a lion, it's a deer, it's a lamb. And what would happen was I would come here and I would buy my lamb blemish, clean lamb, and then I would take it up, exchange my money, and then I would go up to the temple and worship God. 
the temple. If you remember, we talked about all the things that was in the temple. The first part of the temple was called the court of the Gentiles. And then there was a dividing wall, and then it was the altar and all the things that went on. The court of the Gentiles was the only place where non-Jews could actually go. So if you were not a Jew, but you believed in Jehovah Yahweh, and you wanted to worship and to pray and to sacrifice, you could. You could only come through the temple into the first court, the court of the Gentiles. That's where you came, you worship, and you uh, worship and praise God. Then you would have to leave. Only Jews could go past that dividing wall. Remember that Ephesians chapter 3? Paul talked about now that dividing wall is removed. And so there is no Jew. There is no Gentile. We all one in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. That dividing wall was what separated. So Jews could continue on and go. And back here you had the altar. You had the uh, candlesticks. You know, all the other things that were, that were around back there. What had happened, so if you, if you can imagine Jesus coming to the temple, it's Passover. It's millions and millions of people. The noise, the hustle, the bustle, all this going. People coming, needed to change the coin. People coming, needing to get an animal. They came and they got there, unblemished lamb, the layout. What Jesus saw when he looked and he got there, verse 14, in the temple. Now, here's the issue. Verse 14 says, Jesus, when he got there, in the temple he found People selling oxen, sheep, doves. And he also found in the temple money changers sitting there. And so in God's house, which was reserved for worshiping God, Jesus, as he and his boys got here, they walked past, they got here, they noticed that the money changers and the guys who were selling the animals were not outside, where the rabbis in history and, and, and tradition tells us they were. They were actually inside the temple. And what happened, they were inside the temple in the court of the Gentiles, such that the area that was reserved for people of all nations to come worship God was now filled up with some other stuff. There were guys in there, hey man, you got a dollar, hey, give me 20, hey, I need 40, I need 30. Hey, I got two over here, what you got? We got coin from such and such. Hey man, we got some Greek coins over here, we need to, all that was going on. And the other side, hey, hey, hey. I went on a, a trip to Africa, it was a, it was a missions trip. And I don't know how many of you have been out of, out of the country sometimes, but when I went to Africa, when, you get off, when I got off the plane, it was, I would say, 80 billion people trying to get me to get them to take my luggage. They, they were going to take my luggage. Oh, we got you, we got you. No, I got you. Hey, get off him. We over here. When we go on the cruises, we get off the cruise, we, we get off the island, and, and uh, it's like people, you know, I want to go rent a moped. It's like people fighting to get you to come. No, get my mind better, mine faster. Hey, man, you saw he was talking to me first. All that hustle and bustle going on. Imagine all that happening in the temple. All that was going on. You got people fighting, fussing, cussing at each other. Hey, give me that, blah, 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 blah. In the midst of that, you also have, hey, man, I got a lamb over here. Get your lamb. Get your, get your sheep. Get your sheep. Hey, you need a goat? I got this goat. So you got animals. Whatever there's someone going on. All that's going on in the temple, in God's house. You got people selling animals, getting this animal. No, come buy this one. I got this one. You got people checking. This one got too many spots on it. All this commotion and stuff was going on in God's house. Not only that, what tradition tells us, and we go back, flip back with me a couple of books to Mark chapter 11. In Mark chapter 11, we have another account of Jesus <laughs> cleaning out the temple. Now, when we look at the way the Gospels are set up, it seems as though this is a different time. So 
the other gospels have Jesus cleaning out the temple near the end of his ministry. John shows it near the beginning of his ministry. So some people say he did it twice. He did it at the jump off right at the beginning, and then he did it again at the end. Some people say, well, John didn't really write it in order. He just put it here and there. There are some differences in when you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke when they give the story versus what John gives the story. And so either this is a, the same scenario or Jesus came and had to do this twice because all this stuff was going on. But in Mark chapter 11, look at verse 15. They came to Jerusalem and went into the temple and began to, this is about Jesus, and he began to throw out those buying and selling. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling dove. He would not permit anyone to carry goods through the temple. He was teaching them, it is, is it not written, Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. Now, what Jesus did there, he quoted a couple of verses in the Old Testament. If you go back to Isaiah, turn back to Isaiah chapter 56. Here's the thing I love about Jesus. Whenever he did something or said something, he always backed it up with the word. In Isaiah chapter 56, verse 7, Isaiah's prophesying. He's saying, thus saith the Lord. Isaiah 56, 7. Of course, we're going to jump back to 6. I should just do that off the top. Matter of fact, let's go to five. I will give them in my house and within my walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give each of them an everlasting name that will never be cut off. As for the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to become his servants who all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold firmly to my covenant. Here it is, verse 7. I will bring them to my holy mountain and let them rejoice in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for the Jews only. No, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Jesus said, this house, my house, is supposed to be a house of prayer. When you look at that word in the Hebrew, the prayer, the idea there is a place to intervene, to interpose, to intercede. That's what prayer is, that enter. There are two parties and there's some type of communion going on there. The Lord said, Yahweh said, and Isaiah told Isaiah, tell him that my house is going to be a house of prayer for all nations. Jesus said, I've walked up into my house of prayer, a place where there's supposed to be intervention, uh, a place where there's supposed to be intercession, a place when you look back at the Greek word of prayer, the idea is a place set apart and suited as an offering of prayer to request to request toward God, to yearn, to crave, to desire God. That is what the temple was for. That was what it was intended to be. Jesus said, instead, you have turned it to a den of thieves. Now, he was also referring back. Look with me at the book of Jeremiah. Right after Isaiah, Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 11, Jesus walked up into this temple. He said, this is supposed to be a house of prayer designated with an intent to worship for all nations. Jeremiah 7, now Jeremiah had a different situation. And Jeremiah went up to the temple. And he saw what was going on. Verse 9, don't you still murder Commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and follow other gods that you have not known? 
Then do you come and stand before me in this house that bears my name? Talk about the temple. Do you come and stand before me, God said, in this house and my house and say, oh, we are rescued. So we can continue to do all these detestable acts. Has this house, which bears my name, become a den of robbers in your view? Yes, I too have seen it. This is the Lord's declaration. Well, Jeremiah got to Jeremiah and said, listen, this temple, this place that has my name, my house, has turned into a den of thieves. What Jeremiah was doing, he was rebuking those people who was running the church or running the temple. Even though they were going through the notions of religion, they were oppressing the needy and violently taking what was not there. Now, I think because, go back to Mark 11, because Jesus went back to that and said, this is a house of prayer. If you turn it into thieves, I think what Jesus was seeing was not only was there people exchanging money. You need two dollars. Well, give me two dollars. And I'll give you two Jewish dollars. Not only was we traveled so far, we need a lamb to sacrifice. Praise God. Here you go. Here's a nice, beautiful white lamb. You know what? This, this is and how much is lamb? Well, all lambs are ten dollars. You give me ten dollars. Here's a lamb. I think what Jesus was seeing, the reason he went back to the den of thieves, the reason he went back to in my house, this wickedness was going on. What history tells us is that they weren't just exchanging money for money. There was a little wedding. Is it called wedding of the pockets? No, wedding of the beak that went on, too. It was like, oh, you need $2? Well, I'll tell you what, you need $2, you need to give me $20, and then I give you $2. And what was happening was those money changes, they were jipping the people. They were stealing from the people. And then the guys over here, they were exasperating the prices for the animals. Not only that, what had to happen, remember, to sacrifice, you had to have an animal that was without blemish. And so what the Levites had set up in the temple were people to inspect the lambs. And so you brought your lamb and they took the lamb, say, okay, da -da -da -da. Uh -huh, I imagine, you know those dog shows that I don't understand? Why they come on TV, or why people are watching them, or why people are there. But that's just, just me. But you know, they put the dog on the thing, and it's the looking all over. The people in the temple would expect the lamb and make sure it was a lamb without blemish. And what was happening, history tells us what was going on was they were taking lamb like, oh, no, that's, that lamb not too good. You brought this lamb? Oh, you didn't see that spot? It's right there. Yeah, sorry. You need to buy one of our lambs. And what was happening in God's house the purpose or the intent of the house of God, the problem was that they were using the temple inside God's house for this training for convenience. It was much more convenient. Instead of having to go out here and do it, listen, let's just go inside God, inside the temple. That way we can change the money, you can go right in and everything will be fine. What Jesus should have seen was Gentiles and Jews worshiping in their court. What Jesus should have seen was Gentiles and Jews in a worshipful demeanor in his house. But what he saw when he walked in, it's not only the sacrificial lambs and the turtle doves and the animals that were caged up and tied and sold, not only the noise of all those animals making noise and people hustling and bustling and fussing and trying to get you to come to that side and that side, not only there's a smell of all those animals and all the things those animals was doing, not only men attempting to sell animals with extreme competition, not only those money changers who are doing these things and taking money and jipping the people and lying to the people and stealing from the people and the dishonesty and the cheating and the price gouging and all that was going on in his house. And God said, my house is supposed to be a house of communion 
of intercession, of worship, and you have turned my house into a den of thieves. So we look at that and we're like, wow, Jesus went but wild. I mean, he turned over tables and kicking folks out. I mean, my goodness. Aren't we supposed to love? But you have to understand what was going on. God has set up worship. And he has set up how to worship because he's God. So think about who God is and all his power and majesty. Remember we talked about when God created things, he created things in order and he has a way, his way. God has established worship and he established how his house is supposed to be run and how his house has supposed to be set. And because he is God, because he is almighty, because he is all powerful, because he is worthy of all praise and honor, his way is the way he expects us to follow. And so when he steps into his house and he sees that the intent, the purpose of his house is not being followed. And it's not being followed for ways of convenience. They're not being followed so we can streamline the process. They're not being followed so we can consolidate. We want to make the experience of church a little more Friendly for everybody. So let's let's put on a pause what God says we should do and let's let's make it a little more friendly. Friendly for people to come in because we want people to come in. So listen, let's let's make it so that they don't have to stand outside. We're just going to do this stuff in here. Now, we know that's not the intent of the house of God, but we need to get the people in. Let's let's you know what we need. People get bored easily. So instead of the boring people, let's make sure that in God's house we do X, Y, Z to keep them excited, to keep them always wanting more. Because, because we, we got to do something because God's house, sure, it's a place where we should come and only intent is to worship God. To worship God through giving him our praise and song, through giving him our praise and offering, through giving him our praise and listening to the word, through giving him our praise. Yeah, we know all that, but we got to make it. We got to do some extra. We got to make it convenient. People don't want to get up early in the morning, so let's move our service. To. People don't like to sit and listen to long messages, so let's make sure our messages are. People don't want to sit and watch somebody just stand and talking, so let's make sure we have. Now, I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm saying when those things compromise the intent of the place that God has set up in his house, God ain't happy. Jesus isn't happy. They had lost the focus of Passover. They had lost the purpose of what God's house and the courts in God's house were for. And they had replaced them with things for convenience, to streamline the process, to consolidate. They had replaced it with things that took the place of God's original intent in his house. <laughs> There's a skit, a sketch, and I won't go into detail. Probably shouldn't be referring to it. But There's a sketch about this guy, <laughs> and, and, and this guy was telling the story, Charlie Murphy. He was telling the story when he used to hang with an old rock singer back in the day. And he, this was back in the 80s, everything was crazy, it was Rick James. And he tells a story about he was in his house and he had a white couch and Rick James came and on, sat on his couch with his muddy shoes and was kicking his, kicking his guy's white couch with his muddy shoes, saying, oh, man, I don't care about your house. I can do whatever I want to do in your house. That's what's happening. 
Jesus, Yahweh, God showed up to his house and he noticed that what was what, what, what y'all doing in here? No, 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 no. You're not doing this in my house. This is my house. And so God, Yahweh, Jesus said, this has got to be handled. The house of prayer, they had turned to a house, a den of thieves. Turn back to John chapter 2. John chapter 2, Jesus said in verse 14, he told those who were selling the dove, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Now, I like that word, marketplace. What do y'all, what did, what did y'all versions say? Marketplace, what else you got? House of trade. That word marketplace is emprion. It comes from the word and what we call emporium. An emporium is a large retail store selling a wide variety of goods. Think about that. Think about Walmart. You go to Walmart, you can buy anything at Walmart. You can get you a pair of tires, get you some toothpaste, you can buy some coffee, you can buy a guitar. So many things you can do. Jesus said, you have turned my house, which has one purpose, one singularity, God's house. There's one place, one reason I go, one thing I'm supposed to be doing there, and that is to worship. God said, you have turned my house into a marketplace. You have turned it into a place that you are selling a wide variety of goods. Turn my house into a circus. We want to make sure we have this, we got this, we got some of this, we got this going on, we got that going on, we got this, we got, oh man, we got, we got, so we got. God said, no, 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 no. When you step through those doors, when you come into my house, there's one thing that should be the center, the singular thing of your time in my house, and that's intercession, communion with me for that entire time. I don't need your games. I don't need your wide variety of stuff going on. I don't need you to make it convenient for people. I worship. God never said, now listen, as you worship, make sure your worship is on your terms. Make sure your worship is comfortable for you. Make sure you're worshiping at the right time of day where you're not too tired, not too sleepy, or you don't have too much energy. Make sure your worship is when you feel like doing it. No. God gets worship because that's what he deserves because of who he is. And our worship should not be convenient, should not be streamlined, should not be consolidated. It should not be filled with the hustle and bustle. It should not be altered. Because God is the one who established what his worship is. What was Jesus's response? <laughs> and you see what happened. Verse 15. After making a whip out of cords. Now, now Jesus quit. Now, you got to remember, Jesus was a carpenter, so he was good with his hands. He could do stuff. He could make stuff. So he found a couple of cords and bam, had a whip, just like that. He made a whip out of cords. He drove everyone out the temple with their sheep and their oxen. He poured out the money changers' coins and overturned the tables. He told, he told those who were selling the dove, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Yahweh, Jesus, when he walked into his house and he noticed that the intent of his house, the purpose of his house, the singular reason of his house was not being used for the purpose that he created it for, he immediately and thoroughly removed it. He didn't have a meeting. He didn't call the priest, guys, come, we have to talk about this. He didn't ask for a manager. He didn't sit down and debate what's the best and proper way to do this. 
He said, no, this is my house where my worship, everything else got to go. Thoroughly and immediately remove those things which prevented full obedience to his worship, how he required worship and the use of his house. God has given specific requirements on his worship. Those requirements are not that they're convenient, not that they're modern. Well, you know, it's a different time. You know, people have phones now. You know, people are they used to get information quick and in small bites. And so what we got to do now, we have to adjust what we do in God's house because of the times. No. No, 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 no. God said, my house is for my worship. And that's what he expects. My worship not supposed to fit my schedule. When I come to God's house, it's not supposed to fall into my routine. Well, we got a thing we do. We wake up in the morning, we do this, do this, do this, this, this. It's not supposed to, it needs to fit my lifestyle. No. Because God, who he is, it's not there anymore. <laughs> but who he is, and that's creator God. And as he set things in his order, his way, his worship is outside of my lifestyle. His worship is outside of my convenience. His worship is outside of my routine. The question that I ask myself and that we need to ask ourselves is how quickly and how thoroughly are we when it comes to things that twist and pervert God's original design? God had an original design for his house. They had twisted it. They had perverted. Jesus came in and said, what's going on here? No. Boom. Everybody get out. In our lives. When I look at my life, when I look at my worship, when I look at when I come to the house of God. How quickly am I to adjust the things of God at number one on my list? Or are the things of God number two, three, four on my list? Well, I know we could go to church, but I got to and this and that. So I need to. Well, you know, I should read my Bible today, but I woke up late and I got to get to work. And I'm right now, it's late, it's, it's late and I'm tired. I really, ah, I'll do it tomorrow because it's not convenient. It's not easy. It doesn't fit my lifestyle. God is looking at us like, no, no, no. You need to remove that. You need to, whatever it is. I don't care if it's family. I don't care if it's your personal opinion. I don't care if it's what you like, what you don't like. That stuff got to go. Why? Because it's interfering. It's in the way of. It ain't where it's supposed to be. And so we need to look at our lives and examine and say, God, what are those things that I need to quickly get out of my life? What are those things that I need to thoroughly clean up that is blocking me, that is keeping me from following the purpose, which is to worship you, not only when I walk into your house, but to worship you in my daily life, day after day after day after day. What's funny, now in John, John has this set up early in Jesus's ministry. So the only thing Jesus had done publicly was turn water into wine, and that was in Cana, so everybody hadn't seen him yet. So picture this Jew walking into this room, to the temple and start throwing over tables and pulling out whip and kicking animals out and kicking people out. The priest was like, who this person think he is? Whoa, 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 whoa. And the Bible said they approached him, and they said, uh, verse 18, so the Jews replied to him and said, what sign will you show us for doing this thing? Uh, excuse me, who do you think you are and why do you think you can come up here and start doing this? What sign are you going to show us? What gives you, guy, with these 12 guys following you, 
What gives you the authority? We've been doing this for years. I don't know where you've been. I don't know where you're from. It's Passover time. It's time to get that paper. It's time to go to work. We're putting in work. I've been setting up. I got these tables. I, I put my coins. I put my 20s here, my 30. You done knocked everything down. What gives you the authority to do this? What sign are you going to show us? Jews always looking for a sign. I love Jesus' response because let me tell you this, and I'm going to pause here. Remember, John said, I wrote this book in order for you to believe. So John said, everything I'm putting in here, Jesus did so many things. I can't even tell you how many things he did, but these are written so you might believe. And so as I go through the book of John, every story, every, every event that John talks about, I look back and say, okay, John, how is this going to help me believe? What, is, what part of this is going to help me believe? Now, remember what John said. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. They came up to Jesus and they said, what sign are you going to show us that you have the authority to do this? Jesus said this, destroy this temple, verse 19, and I'll raise it up in three days. He didn't give them a sign. Jesus said, oh, you got it twisted. I don't need to show you a sign. I am the sign. Jesus said, destroy this temple. And he, they said, well, we, you can't destroy the temple. It took us 46 years. They said, no, 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 I'm not talking about this temple. I'm not talking about this gold. And they said, I'm talking about me. I'm the temple. What Jesus said is, what gives me the right to do this? You know what the temple was? The temple was where God dwelled. The temple was where, you remember the tabernacle and the temple where God would come down and where man would see God? You wanted to go talk to God, you went to the temple, the dwelling place of God. Jesus said, Oh, I'm the temple. You looking for God? I am he. And so John said in John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is here. Jesus came in tabernacle. Jesus came and moved in our neighborhood. So when they were looking, what gives you the right? Jesus said, oh, what right? Because this is my house. I am God. I am Yahweh. That's why I can kick these people out. Do something. That's pretty much what he said. I added to do something. But that's pretty much what he said. And the Bible says, and going back to that, it says, 21, but he was speaking about the temple of his body. So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the statement Jesus had made. This is where it comes to Jesus. John said, I wrote this so you may believe. Jesus said, what did I need to believe? Oh, that he's the temple. That Jesus is the dwelling place of God. That Jesus is God himself, Yahweh on earth. And as such, he has the authority to demand worship and prayer how he set it up for it. And so when he walked into his house and he saw what was going on for convenience to streamline, to consolidate, to make it easier. When he saw what was going on in his house that distracted from his worship, he cleaned it out quickly. How can you do this? Oh, because I'm Yahweh and this is my house. And the Bible says the disciples remembered that time and that statement when Jesus died and rose from the dead. You know what? He said that when he was in the temple. He said he was going to die and come back. Oh, my goodness. What authority? Jesus said, I am the sign. I am the authority. I am the temple. I can do this. Now, I saw this as I was reading. I was studying. I saw this quite interesting. I've always looked at this from that perspective. That Jesus was mad, he went in, he saw what was going on, the holy wrath of God came and cleaned it out. Another concept, and this actually came from Augustine, and I was reading, I said, you know what? 
that makes sense. Jesus came in and the Bible says he kicked what out? People. And he took the whip. The whip wasn't for the people, by the way. He wasn't whipping people. It was for the animals. That's how they moved animals. They had little sticks and whips, whatever. They moved animals out. He cleaned all those animals out of the temple. Now think about that. What were the animals there for? To sacrifice. The animals weren't there for a bad thing. Oh, sometimes we see things that go on in God's house, and we have things in our life that are good, that are okay, that the, the intent is there. Like the animals were there, the people were there because there were some people who needed animals to sacrifice. And so the animals were there to sacrifice the obedience to God for the covering of the sins of the people. Guess what? Jesus came to die and be the final death and shed his blood for the sins of the people. And once he came, guess what we didn't need anymore? We didn't need any more lambs, we didn't need any more goats, we didn't need any more turtle doves. So when Jesus showed up to the temple, he said, oh, guess what? All y'all animals, be free my children, my, my children. Be free my sheep, be free my lamb. Because I'm here now. I am the lamb. I am the one, the only one. All these animals and stuff was all set up for me. I'm here now. And Augustine says what could be symbolized here, what Jesus was saying was that we have no more need for these lambs. We have no more need for these sheep. We have no more need for this old covenant sacrificial system because the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And Jesus said, I am here. When John saw Jesus, he said, behold, the what? The lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. Hebrews chapter 3, the temple, God's house. The Bible says that the church now is the temple. Look at Hebrews 3, verse 6. I'm going to go through these verses real quick. So you might have to listen to the podcast to catch them. Hebrews 3, 6. It was a podcast plug. Hebrews 3, 6. But Christ was faithful as son over his household, and we are that household if we hold on to our confidence in the hope in which we boast. The house of God now are his people. 1 Corinthians 3.16. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit of God lives in you? So here in the New Covenant, what is God's temple? I am God's temple. Ephesians Chapter 20, one of our favorite books in the Bible. I said chapter 20, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul said in Ephesians 2, 20, uh, uh, let's go to 19. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as a cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. We are the temple. The body of Christ is the temple of God today. First Peter chapter two, Peter says in verse five, you yourselves as living souls are a spiritual house. You are built to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So the body of Christ, we are the temple. And so as the body of Christ, the question becomes, as the new temple, are we universally the body of Christ promoting the singular purpose of what we stand for? It should be to worship and pray to God. And everything we should do should line up to that singular purpose, to worship God. 
Paul goes one step further in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, he said, you are God's building. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, he says, for you are the temple of the living God. And then in 1 Corinthians 6, he says, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit in whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. The question becomes, we don't have this thought anymore. The temple was destroyed in 70 AD. Broke it down. People stole the gold. It's gone. But that's okay. Because John said the word became flesh. So Jesus became God. And the Bible says when we accept him, that we become part of God's family. We become the temple of the holy God because God is dwelling inside of us. And so the question becomes when God comes and walks into our temple, what does he see? When Jesus walked in, we know what he saw here. The question is when Jesus walks into our life, what does he see? When he steps into Olu's life, Olu's temple, does he see convenience, consolidation, streamline? Does he see things that are in the way of Olu giving him his unadulterated worth that he's due, his worship? When he walks into our church, here's the Father's way, what does he see? Does he see us, everything that we're doing, contributing to this and this alone? Or does he see some, eh, going on? Is God's intention being recognized, honored, and carried out in church universally, in our church locally, and in our individual selves? It's important to remember. It's good to remember the Lord's purposes. When God made something, he made a purpose. God instilled some things. He instilled marriage. There was a purpose to marriage, his design, God's way. The question is, in the body of Christ individually, am I honoring God's way? God instituted prayer. God instituted worship. He said, do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together, as some do. That's what's his intent. And so in my life, in my individual life, do I forsake the gathering? And why do I forsake the gathering? Is this the singular purpose of my life? We need to make sure as the body of Christ that we're not twisting or perverting God's design. God revealed, Jesus revealed that he is the authority and he had the authority to clean house. Remember the temple, everything in the temple was designed for him. Remember why they were so particular in, in Exodus and Leviticus, why they made it? Well, it's got to be this long. It's got to be purple. And it's got to be this. It's got to be this wood. You got to overlay it with this amount. It's got to be why? Because when they were building those things, it represent Christ. Mm -hmm. And so when Christ showed up to his house, it was truly his house. God is the authority. Jesus is the authority. And we need to make sure that my worship, I'm talking Olu here, individually, is exactly the worship that God requested because it's exactly what he deserved. We need to make sure individually. We need to also make sure as our church, the body of followers away. And we need to make sure that we take this out into the world. God is the authority. Let's make sure that we are giving him the honor and the praise he deserves. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for this day. We thank you again for your word, God. We pray, God, that our house here will be a house of prayer. It will be a house of worship, God, and every decision that we make as a church will be based on giving you the praise, the honor, and the glory, and the worship that you deserve, God. 
I pray, God, that you help me in my individual life, God, to, to clean out anything that's perverting my worship to you, clean out anything that I've twisted, anything that I have that's for convenience or, or to consolidate so that you may have the pure, unadulterated worship that you deserve, God. We thank you again for the hearing of your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Followers of the Way podcast. If you like more information about Followers of the Way Church, visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. We trust and hope that you've enjoyed hearing God's word and how to apply it to our lives. Our podcast is updated weekly, so remember to follow us here at Followers of the Way.